Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Triumphant Thursday. I am so happy to be here, to be able to share God's word with you. Um, yeah, for some of you that know, thank you for saying hello. We went away and we're back. Hey, we're back. All right, that uh, is what minister I usually put forth for Triumphant Thursday. But hey, I'm back home. I'm glad I'm back. Did we have a good break? Ah, we had an excellent break. Thank you for praying. Thank you for asking. All right, today I'm privileged to be sharing God's word with you. And I want to firstly to say hello. Uh, I can see loads of hellos already. Um, I can see Offeray's hello. I can see Cheryl Stone's hello. I can see Bethel's hello. Thank you, Bethel. Uh, we're way together, so I don't know why you're helloing me. But hey, I can see uh, Evangelist. Uh, I can see Soji. I can see... Uh, Femi and Debbie, really, really good to see you online. Uh, Femi and Debbie, can't wait to see you physically. Everybody, Esther, Tokubo, thank you, thank you. Bumi, I can see you. Hello. That's the only person that says hello. And I know it's you. Uh, Debola, good to see you. Good to welcome back. Uh, we went on holiday together in our mind with you. Um, there's so, so many of us. Pastor Angela, Thank you all for being online tonight. What a privilege to be able to sit down and hear God's word without anyone holding us back. What a joy. And, and I'm so glad you made the choice to be online tonight. Thank you for being in church. Let's pray. Father, thank you because the Bible says the entrance of your word gives light and it gives understanding to the simple. With simplicity of heart, we've come to you tonight to ask that you will expand your word to our hearts. Show us what you want us to see. Teach us what you want us to do. Give us the grace to remember and to do them. In Jesus' precious name we've prayed. Amen and amen. Once more, welcome to church. So, today I'm going to be teaching us on a title. And I said teaching, I'm not preaching, I'm teaching. On a title called, Will You Pass the Test? And I presume then what comes next to your mind is, what test? For some of you, you already start palpitating. For some of you, thinking, I'm not going to church today. Test, I don't like tests. <laughs> there is no time people pray more than when it's test time. In actual fact, if there's going to be a, a, a storage in heaven of all exam prayers prayed, plus the people that are saved, plus the ones that are not saved, everybody prays during exam period. And it doesn't matter what type of exam it is. Let me tell you a little uh, story I read. I found it funny. You might know, but I found it funny. So there is this uh, young boy alongside a few others that were in a class, a class for studying birds. It's called, I wrote it down, ornithology, or ornithology, the study of birds. That in itself is already hard. So to now say that you now go to a class like that, and he had a difficult teacher, a very, very difficult teacher, and they all knew it, 25 of them in class all prepared, and this particular boy has prepared all night, I mean all through the season and all through the night for this exam, knowing fully well the kind of teacher they had and the kind of course it is. He has studied every type of bird you can think about. And then he got to class and it was exam time. And they all sat down in class, and the next thing, this interesting teacher brought out um, pictures on the wall. He just lifted up this canvases to put all over the wall and there were pictures of different legs of birds. I mean, you don't get more wicked than that. <laughs> and this teacher was 25 different sets of legs. I mean, please tell me what leg of bird would be different from the other. Anyway, this teacher did that. And this kid became the spokesman for the whole class and said, excuse me, where is the test? 
And the teacher said, on the bird and on the wall, tell me which bird's legs belong to which species. He was really upset. And everybody was like, what kind of stressful situation is this? So the guy said, but this is difficult. This is not fair. This is just unbelievable. And the teacher said, well, that's the exam. So at this point, this young man said, okay, if that's the exam, can we get another exam that is more reasonable and then will lead to whatever it is our graduation will be? The teacher said, this is all you got. So the boy looked very hard and said, I'm not doing this test. I don't understand. I don't even understand the question. I'm not doing this test. And the teacher said, well, if you don't do the test, you're going to fail. At this point, the, son, the, boy, the young man said, if I do the test, I'm going to fail anyway. If I don't do the test, I'm going to fail. And he said, well, I'm not doing it. You can fail me. And the teacher said, okay, can I have your name, please? He said, no, you tell me what my name is. And then I will, I will let you know. And at this point, the teacher said, well, I can tell by the person that didn't do the exam, of which every single boy stood up in class and said, we're not taking it. And then the teacher get confused. And then they said, you see us week in, week out throughout the whole season. And you don't remember our names. Yet you're expecting us to remember the legs of birds on the wall. And I don't know whether life could be that complicated for you as well. Okay, I found that funny. Maybe you didn't. Um, but for some of us, it could be so interesting. I, can, I don't know whether you really found that funny or you started sending your laughing faces because I said that. But I can see your laughing faces. Thanks, Bethel. Thanks, Mr. K. Thanks, Ofre. Thanks, Mr. Tox. I can see your laughing faces on the wall. But hey, there are times that we look at, we think life is throwing us a difficult exam. Difficult questions. How on earth are we supposed to pass this test? But I can really, really tell you something. Life is full of tests. Life is full of tests. Many of us hate the whole idea of tests. And if you're a student anywhere whatsoever, the whole purpose of education is the test. <laughs> and you, some of us are really, 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 really good that from the beginning of the school session, you are studying. And some of us, we study when the um, appraisal comes up halfway through the year. And you can see where, you know, your predicted grades, you can see where they are going. And for some of us, we study a few days before the exams and then we begin to pray and say, Lord, please direct the teacher to ask the question in these certain areas only. And for some of us, we think the teacher is so hard because the, the subject matter, there's just too much to read because you are reading it only a week before the exam time. You know? But many of us have different strategies when it comes to passing tests. But the truth of the matter is that life is full of tests and the Christian walk is about tests. Let's look a little bit at a couple of scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 5 to 7. Let's unpack that scripture. I'm going to read it in two versions, the message version and the living translation version. I think they are both beautiful versions. So let's go to the message version for To test yourselves, to make sure you are solid in faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. I love that. It is possible, Minister, you mentioned it earlier when he was introducing the service. It is possible if you don't continue to check in, to drift along and take everything for granted in your walk as a believer. Personally, I absolutely love the one-step program we are doing in church right now because it makes it so easy for you to measure what you're doing. And anything you don't measure, you can never, ever scale. Anything you don't measure, you can never, ever enjoy the full benefit of or take full advantage of because you don't measure. But it says, don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourself regular checkups. 
Give yourselves regular checkups. You need first hand evidence, not mere essay, that Jesus Christ is still in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Let's read the Living Bible version of the same scripture. These scriptures are just absolutely beautiful. It says, Check up on yourselves. Are you really a Christian? Do you pass the test? Do you feel Christ's presence and power more and more within you? Do you feel Christ's presence and power more and more within you? Or are you just pretending to be a Christian when actually you aren't at all one? Oof, heavy, right? But these are true, true words from Paul to the church in Corinth. What was exactly the situation in Corinth? Why did Paul have to send them this message? The Corinthian church was the most difficult church that Paul had. They were difficult because there was a huge amount of secular infiltration in church. There was a huge amount of cultural infiltration in church. So the culture had come so much into the church. The, the secular world has come so much into the church. Everybody was doing what they felt like doing. People were sinning and thinking it's right. People were conflicting one with the other, always upset with each other and taking each other to court. Uh, some people were sleeping, con committing incest. There was just so much rubbish happening in church. Even the people that come to the, the Lord's table, they come to the Lord's table and they want to start eating their full meal there at the Lord's table. There was, everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. There was unforgiveness in church. There was bad behavior in church. There were backbitings in church. There was division in church. Someone said, well, I belong to that minister. I belong to that minister. I like minister, your mother, and I like pastor, but I, you know, that kind of thing. And there was a lot of things like that in church. And people thought that they were in church and growing. Yet Paul said, examine yourself just in case you are not growing like you think you should be growing. And in this month, when we're talking about moving forward, a step forward, going higher in our discipleship and our walk with God, this is a very essential part of Christianity. Not something we do at the end of the year, not something we do at the beginning of the month only, but something we do consistently. Minister, I said something. If you're running a marathon to be sure that you're on track and on time, you've got to keep on checking some things regularly. Otherwise, you can outrun your time or under uh, perform depending on where you are at if you don't constantly check yourself checking ourselves or examining ourselves is a very important part of christianity it's a very important part of life you know many of us think exams are difficult generally anyway and for some, for some of us the word exam just makes us you know break out in cold sweat but life is full of exams Life is full of exams. There are things, exams you will meet in your workplace. There are exams you will meet in, in your home area. There are exams you meet that are exams of faith. But examination are there for us to pass. There are no tests without passing. And if you don't pass a test, uh, I, I usually say something. And it's something that my disciple told me when I was a lot younger. He said the thing about Christianity is this. If you don't pass a test in Christianity, you have to keep on going around the cycle because the test will come again in another way and another manner. And I want to encourage you today that you should sit down and you know imbibe this message in because it will really, really help you. It's understanding what the test of our you know, walk with God is all about. There's a reason why Paul said, check yourself. And God is very interested in us checking ourselves. And the interesting thing is that when it comes to discipleship, nobody can tell you where you are at, but you can tell where you are at. You know why? Because it's the thing of the heart. 
Apart from the one, and that, that's why for me personally, I really, really treasure the one step. I really, really do because it helps me know where I'm at with my discipleship and it takes me a step further. I looked at the list and I said, okay, I have not shared my Jesus story. So I look for an opportunity to share my Jesus story. Okay, I have not prayed more than I thought I was going to pray. Then it gives me an opportunity because I can check one thing after the other. It's a conscious, consistent decision to check up on myself, for you to check up on yourself. It's amazing that Paul did not say, I'm going to come and check up on you. So for all of you that are on the call tonight, I, on, this, on, on this service tonight, I am highly impressed with you because I believe very strongly you want to pass the test. And that's why you're here. And I just want to give you a few tips there. What tests are there? How do you know this test? What's the standard? Because if you don't know the standard, you don't even know if you've passed or not. You know? And then what exactly are the tests? Why are the tests there? What's the standard? And how do we make sure we pass the test? So if we go first to a few places where the whole issue of test comes up in the Bible, examining yourself, examining yourself or examination is very, very common in the Christian world. It's something you will hear over and over again in Old Testament and in New Testament. The book of Jeremiah chapter, uh, Lamentation chapter 3, verses 40 to 41. Lamentation 3, 40 to 41. Jeremiah said, let us test and examine our ways. Let us turn back to the Lord. Verse 41 says, let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven and say, and they will pray. Let us test and examine our ways. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't test and examine yourself, there is no way you will know that you need to go back to the Lord. There is no way you will realign yourself with the walk of the Lord. It is very, very easy to think that we're going on the right path and we're not. Remember this gentleman in the Bible called Samson over and over again. He's been erring and moving out of way, out of course, out of course with God. And what happened with time? He said, Do you know what? I'm going to arise in this strength of mine because he hasn't checked in. He hasn't checked himself. He hadn't found out what God is doing in him. He hadn't found out where life has already drifted him to. So because he didn't know, he just rose up thinking it would go like normal. And what did he do? He failed in his attempt. So we can pass the test of life if we consistently check on ourselves. Paul also said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight. 28. The Bible says, but let every man. That is why you should examine yourself. Let every man examine themselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. In the church in Corinthians, like I told you earlier, everybody was doing what they like. They come to church, it's time for communion and they eat anyhow. They, they, you know, some people take a little bit more and they keep it and they take it back home. See, their communion is not like the communion we have now. Their communion was a whole bread. So they come to church hungry. <laughs> and then go for a whole bread. Get, down, get drunk on the wine at the communion table. Oh, let me make you laugh. There was once I went to preach in a particular church. I was sent to preach in a certain church. Uh, uh, and it's not a Pentecostal church. So after preaching that, there was communion time. So, and interestingly, the, the, the way they do the communion is totally different from the, my understanding of communion. And I remember telling P when I got back home, I think I got drunk. It was, it was a gulp. It wasn't a tiny thing you drink. Now, honey, I'm calling it and I don't drink. <laughs> it was so funny, but not funny. I kid you not, I got drunk. So I was like, I felt tipsy. And my legs were dodgy, getting back. And I think, what is inside that thing? So now that is 
what we call a regular church today. And in those days, the Corinthians were coming to the table and getting drunk at the table and doing what they like in God's presence. They didn't even know they had walked away from the Lord. And the thing is, they were not doing these things outside church. They were doing them in church. The fighting, the infighting was in church. The incest was in church. The drinking communion, like, like you know, the wine drinking or communion was in church. All of these things was happening in church. Yet, if you look from the outside, you say, oh, they're believers. They are going to church. Yet, there was a need to examine themselves because they were drifting away from the plans of God, drifting away from what God has planned for them. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 also says, you should test yourself to see if you are still in faith. Amazing. I would have thought, is it possible? If you look at Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the scripture says, test yourself to see if you are still in faith. So it is possible to have dropped out of faith and think that you are still in faith. Test yourself to make sure you are solid in faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Test yourself to see if you are solid in faith. So why should we examine ourselves? I've mentioned a few of them. The very first one to determine if you are still in faith. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your job to determine if you are still in faith. Coming to church does not determine that you are still in faith. Coming to church is not the determining factor of being in faith. Being in faith is determined as you test yourself. You know, that scripture we read earlier said you get more and more powerful and powerful knowledge of God. God becomes bigger. God becomes greater and you experience more of him. If you are still in faith, you grow in faith. You grow in faith. Paul mentioned, he said, test yourself to see if you are in faith. Paul challenged the Christians to test themselves. And I, I discovered while I was studying this scripture that there are two different words used for test and then examination. The word used for test is a word called perizate, and it means to ascertain their spiritual condition. Test yourself to ascertain your spiritual condition. What is your spiritual condition? Then the second one is which means to test the authenticity of something. So it says, examine, testing the authenticity. Test to check your spiritual condition. Put it all together. If you are still in the faith, it will show in your spiritual condition, it will show how authentic you are. Are you authentic? Is your spiritual condition hot? Is it cold? Is it lukewarm? You know it. We can give all the excuses in the world, by the way. The church in Corinth had every reason to give excuses. They say, oh, well, Paul was not around. Oh, Paul came and then Apollo came and then some of us got confused about which one is our leader. They had every right. Oh, this was happening and that was happening and that was happening. Somebody offended me and stepped on my toe and that's the reason why I had to take them to church. They had all the reason. Yet, God is saying, is their spiritual condition good? What's your spiritual condition like? Are you authentic? In your walk with God. Are you really a Christian? When we test ourselves, it helps us know that we're still in faith. If I ask you the question, very direct question this evening, are you still in faith? What's the first question answer that will come to mind? Because if you're still in faith, you will grow in faith. Are you different from where you were this time last year? Are you better or are you worse? Because you will know it. Your choices will show you. I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago when I was preaching that our physical situation or physical steps is the evidence of what's going on inside of us. When it comes to your spiritual work, the truth of the matter is that we can't tell, but the things you do physically, your prayer life, your Bible study life, your walk, your talk, those are the determining factors of if you're still growing in faith or not. When we test ourselves, we know if we're still in faith. When we test ourselves, the second thing we discover, 
to test ourselves if the truth is in us, to determine the truth about ourselves. You see, there are many, many, many times you think that you are capable of doing something. Something happened to me years and years ago. Not too many years. Less than five years now. So when I was younger, I used to be able to tumble. I love tumbling. And I used to be able to flip. So, this is me thinking I could still tumble. So I, I always think, I wonder if I can still tumble. I wonder if I can still tumble. <laughs> and this certain day, my whole family members had gone out. Because they had gone out, I thought, well, what if it didn't work? If it didn't work, at least nobody would know that I couldn't tumble. <laughs> so I got on my bed, got my shorts on, and then flip, I tried to go. And I realized I could not lift my, the lower body would not follow the upper body. I don't know what went wrong. <laughs> the lower body just refused to go the way the upper body wanted it to go. My mind had the impression that I was tumbling. But I realized that my, I, 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 I don't know what happened, but the lower part just didn't follow the upper part. And then one leg went so one leg went that way and one head went that way. And I just thought, how did it go so wrong? If I didn't test myself at that point, the truth is I would tell everybody until that kid don't come that I, of course I can flip. I used to flip when I was younger. I mean, what I, didn't tell, what I don't tell people is that that was a good two, three decades ago. In fact, more. But I was really, really good at flipping. But I never knew I couldn't flip. In my head, I knew, I mean, come on, it's my body. And I knew the technique, and I know what to do, and I know how to roll it. But I didn't know how to roll it because it didn't roll. <laughs> if I even did, it rolled the other way. So sometimes you need to test the truth about yourself because you might not really be where you think you are. You might have been there 10 years ago, but things might have moved on from a, a little bit of age to a little bit of fat to a little bit of muscle systems to all sorts of things could have happened to you along the way to childbirth <laughs> or any other thing that could have happened even some people it's not childbirth you're a man but things have happened time has gone and you are not the same way you used to be check yourself so every time we need to test ourselves we determine the truth about ourselves ask yourself genuinely am i really really genuine in my faith it's you that can ask yourself that question to determine if jesus christ is still in us that same scripture that we read earlier. Paul said, test yourself to see if Jesus is still in you. That scared me because it tells me that it is possible for Jesus to live and leave you to it. See, there are many, many, many of us that were so set on our ways and it's your way or the highway. And because you've been growing up and everybody has been giving you your way, it is possible for Jesus to just step and say, you know what? I've corrected you so much on this. You can now have your way. It's a dreadful place to be. It's a dreadful place to be when your way is the way that you want to go and is the way that you go every time. That's not what God's plan for you is. But unless you test yourself, you won't even know that Jesus is no longer in you. He said, test yourself. John chapter 14 verse 23 says something. John 14, 23. Let's read that scripture together. It says, let's have that scripture come up. It said, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. We will come to him and make our abode in him. Because I will reveal myself to those who love me and obey me. The father will love them too. And we will come to them and live with them. I will come to them and live with them. Is Jesus still living in you? Is Jesus still living in you? You see, anybody can take anything from you. But when it comes to Jesus, there are some places he won't go. I remember someone saying, you're so bent. I think it was P. You're so bent on going your way that Jesus has left you to continue to go your way. So you're now going solo. I don't want you to fly solo because you will never know 
unless you put it to test. If you examine yourself, you will know if Jesus is still in you. The last one is examine yourself to determine that, that you will pass. Examine yourself to determine that you will pass. Because the only way to know if we will pass or not is to do a test. There are many, many of us that have found ourselves in, you know, 11 plus situations in the past. And I remember very clearly saying something to Eddie that even if I wanted to have one more child, 11 plus would never, never let me. Because I found it, personally, I found it hard on behalf of the children. But the thing is that with 11 plus exam, like many other things, you go back and you do a, like a mock exam before the exam itself. You do the mock exam before the exam itself to determine if we will pass the test. And that's the reason why we examine ourselves. We don't want to wait until Jesus come and realize that we didn't make it. No, every time you examine yourself, a continuous, conscious, continuous decision, what do you do? You make sure that you realign yourself and you're back on track. I remember one day pastor was preaching and he was talking about the fact that there are planes, that the way planes constantly check in with a uh, control tower, that even though every time they are traveling from point A to point B, they move off course on a regular basis, but they check in with the control tower and they realize adjust and constantly readjust so that you can get to your destination. Otherwise, by just a few meters off, you could land somewhere else. Examine yourself to see if you really passed the test. Do the mock test and ask yourself genuinely. Nobody is asking you the question, will I pass the test of faith? Is Christ really in me? Am I growing as a believer? This decision I made now, did I make it last year? The pandemic, as I use, that many of us use as Whatever our excuses are, that is the reason why many of us are not growing or choose not to grow or develop bad habits or choose not to continue with the good habits. Are these things still holding me back? Have I lost my faith along the line? Am I just going to church for going to church sake? The worrying thing about this is every single one that was being talked to in the book of Corinthians were in church. They were not unbelievers. They were in church and they thought, um, rephrase, if you count church members that did came to church, you will count them. If you look at the cars in the car park, you will find their car. If you look at the posters, they got it. They got everything. Yet, Paul is saying, examine yourself to see if you're still in faith. Examine yourself to see if you pass the test. So there are tests to pass. Would you pass? It's down to examination, self-examination. Examine yourself to see if Christ is still in you. Is Christ still in you? Or have you drifted off? from course. So there are reasons, these are reasons or some of the reasons why we need to examine ourselves. But when we are examining ourselves, you know, what's the standard? What's the standard? Is it what Pastor B says or what Pastor Eddie says or what anybody else says? Many of us, when we examine ourselves, we compare ourselves to other people. We examine ourselves, let's start with, we examine ourselves with what others think. But that is not the standard. It is never about what others think. You think what other people's estimate of you is, is what stands. No, it is not. In fact, John chapter 12, verses 42 to 43. John 12, 42 to 43. The Bible says, and I, and I read, many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for the fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. Verse 43, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. You know, for some of us, we believe in what other people say about us, and people sing, you know, they sing your praise, they tell you you are so good, you're the best thing that ever happened. Do you know that you know so much about Christ? Do you know that you are this good, you're that good, you're that good? And just like those people, they were give, they love the praise of men, but the praise of men and the praise of God are two completely 
completely different things. So if you don't examine yourself based on the standard that God has set, you might find yourself in serious trouble because people are used to telling people what they want to hear. People are used to telling people what they believe you. You know, they sing your praise based on how you come across or what they want you to know of them or how they want you to feel. And one of the biggest things I've come to realize is in particularly United Kingdom, I don't know whether it happens to every other part of the world from where other people are watching the sermon from today, sometimes people are just all out to please the next person. Now, if you find yourself in the midst of friends that want to just please you only, you will only hear the good things about yourself or exaggerated things about yourself. Yet, it is possible to drift and drift and drift and drift away, doing the wrong thing one day after the other, and Jesus has left you to it, yet everybody says you are really, really doing well and clapping for you. I presume that you want the applaud of heaven. You don't want the applaud of men. So, examining yourself by men's standard is a very wrong idea. Examine yourself by what other people do or don't do. I say, well, well, I'm doing this because Pastor XYZ does it anyway. Ah, Pastor XYZ is not the standard. It's not the standard. Minister XYZ is not the standard. The standard is the word of God. Don't examine yourself and keep yourself by the estimate or the standard of men. That's not the standard. Another one that many of us have to examine ourselves by, by our own estimate of ourselves. Do you know what? I've come to realize something. No matter how bad somebody is, you know that that person never, ever, ever believed that they are bad? I mean, nobody wakes up and says, I am so bad, I'm so wicked. And that's my assessment of myself. Even the most wicked of men believe that they are good. Because their intentions probably were good. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 18 says, For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. Many of us are very good at commending ourselves. Very, very good at commending ourselves. That's not the standard. You won't pass this test I'm talking about by commending yourself. It's not really about that. It's not by your standard. It is not by your friend's standard. That, well, at least I do better than my friends. Everybody else that is at this stage of life, this is how they do their things, and I'm still better than them. Now, that's not the standard. The standard is the word of God. Like Mr. I mentioned earlier, the standard is the word of God. When you want to pass a test, you pass a test based on what your teacher gives you as the standard. In fact, there have been times that teachers give the wrong syllables. I have seen that before. Teachers give you the wrong syllabus, and then when the exams come, it's different. And I've been in a particular class like that, and they passed all of us simply because the syllabus the teacher gave us was wrong. So it wasn't the fault of the students, it was the fault of the teacher. The standard is the syllabus. The syllabus is the word of God. The standard for your life is the word of God. Never let anybody deceive you. And it doesn't matter which country or which, which location you are in. The word of God is the word of God and it is a standard word. Is it the Corinthians church were giving themselves all the excuses in the world why they needed to do what they are doing, why they were misbehaving, yet Paul said to them, you are seriously in trouble. You are on your way down. Let's go back to that scripture, 2 Corinthians. Let's look at that scripture all over again. And see how far down they were going without knowing because they haven't assessed themselves with the word of God. It says something in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 5. If you read that, it says, test yourselves to make sure that you are solid in the faith. To test yourself to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Don't test yourself by what other people say. Don't test yourself by what you think. Give yourselves regular checkers. With what? With the word of God. You need first 
first-hand evidence, not mere essay, that Jesus is in you. Where would you get first-hand evidence that Jesus is in you from? From the word of God. It's not by anyone's standard. It is not by your standard. It's by and with the word of God. So what ways can we check ourselves? I've told you what we are looking for. I've told you what to check ourselves by. So how do we test ourselves? Three ways. Three ways to examine ourselves. How do you examine yourself? The first one in examining yourself is to examine your relationship with God. Priority. Examine your relationship with God. If you will pass the test of your growth as a believer, if you will pass the test of faith, if you will pass the test of moving from one step to the other, of moving forward and higher, as God has planned for you originally, you've got to consistently examine your relationship with God. Your relationship with God matters. See, many of us come to church hot on the heels of Christ's life. We are chasing after Jesus. Then we get here, then we associate, then we realize maybe everybody is not as hot as me. Maybe mine is just too much. I remember uh, in our old church, when, um, when Pastor Eddie and I just you know, came to the United Kingdom, you know, with a little baby and, and with a toddler, and we're serving the Lord as we know how to, and we're displaying Christ as we know how to. And I remember time and again, we'll get folk, people will call us and say, it's because, you know what, you just came to UK. That's why you are they, like, like this. It's not like this here. Just tone it down a little bit. Yours is too much. Uh, 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 um, you know, and so on and so forth. In fact, at some point, it was, it was name calling. It was actually bullying, if you really want to put it in perspective. Because all of a sudden, someone feels threatened. And another person that feels threatened started threatening other people. And that's just what was happening. And after a while, I remember P saying something. He said, you know what, Bola? We are not here to look at anybody's life. We're here to look at the word of God and live our lives by the word of God. What's your relationship with Christ like? What's your relationship with God like? Examine it and never allow anybody derail you from working really hard on your relationship with God. How do you know what your relationship with God is? Your priorities. Your priorities. What are your priorities? Where does your time really really go. Because the amount of time you spend with somebody determines how much you love that person. It determines how important that person is to you. Your priorities. What does that say about you? What does your priority say about you? What is your time with God like? What is your decision making like? Is God regularly taking charge? Is God above your own mind? Is God above your own plans for yourself? Or is your plan the master plan? Many of us, our plans are the master plan. What you want to do is what you want to do. It doesn't matter what anybody says. That's not a life that is dependent on God. Examine your relationship with God. Examine the time you spend with him. Examine your decision-making system. Examine how you obey God. You hear it, you do it, or you hear it, you drop it. Where do you stand? Examine where your money goes. Because many of us say, we really, I really love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, but not my checkbook. <laughs> I, love you. I love you, Lord. I love you with everything inside of me but my money. Ask yourself. What is the priority for me? Do I, you know, what, when exactly does God stand when it comes to your priorities? When Paul was telling them to test themselves, will you pass the test? If you're looking at your priorities, would you pass the test? Does your, you know, the way you spend your time, does it show your fervency for Christ? Does the way you spend your money show your fervency for Christ? Does it show your growth? Are you still in faith? Are you still working in faith in that area of your life? Or are you not? For many of us, when it comes to these priorities, because what people say matters to us, we begin to drop God's mind concerning the matter. Examine, examine, 
Examine your relationship with God. The second thing to examine, your relationship with other people. Examine your relationship with other people. And I call that peace. The fourth one, examine your relationship with God. That's priority. What are your priorities? Test your priorities. Because it will determine whether you pass the test or not. Number two, what are your relationships like with other people? Test your peace level. There are many of us who are as cantankerous as they come. Every time everything is stressed, must you fight everybody? Must you always have your way? Must life be hard just because people are around you? The level of your peace determines how much of God that is in you. It's the prince of peace. It's not the prince of chaos. All this chaos every time, fighting this, fighting that, conflict here, conflict there, conflict there. God is not in it. And God could have left the room and left you to it. Many of us are so keen on winning every argument. There are some of us that are like that. Your word is always the last word. If it's not the last word, you must keep on saying it until it becomes the last word. Something is wrong with that. Examine yourself. Examine your peace level. Are you at peace with all men? The Bible says, as much as life with you, be at peace with all men. What's your fighting level like? In the church of Corinth, they were constantly fighting. Conflicts upon conflicts, over nothing. There are some people I know like that. Everybody is your friend until they become your enemy. Every time you join a group, that group must disintegrate. Because you are there. There must be something that is said that causes chaotic situation. This one said, that one said, that one said. And then you become the king of the castle because you are the only one. In fact, there are some people, there are one or two people that that has happened to. They are the only ones left in the group. After you join the group, everybody starts leaving the group one by one. And then they leave you in the group. Then you become the only person in the group. Examine your relationship with people. What's your relationship with people like? How much of people do you love? Examine your relationship with other people. Are you placing your own interest and desires above that of everybody else? Jesus didn't do it that way. Jesus didn't do it that way. You're not expected to do it that way. Your desire and your interest must come first. You know, I want to bowl in this WhatsApp group. If you don't bowl, bowling is it. And they say, let's play tennis. They say, no, 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 it's bowling. I don't like tennis. I don't like this. I don't like that. We have to bowl. If we're not bowling, we're not going anywhere. But some of us are like that. Some of us are not even that bad. It's just that when it comes to your own self-interest, yourself must come before everybody else. There are some of us, all we need to do is to make sure that our decisions are the only thing that we consider. It doesn't matter what other people's decisions are. That's not how to live as a Christian. Examine your peace level. Examine your relationship with other people. Examine your priority. Examine your relationship with God. Examine your relationship with other people. Examine your relationship with the church. Participation. That's the third and last one. Examine your relationship with the church. What's your participation level like? Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, God loves his church. God loves his church. You know, someone said something. He said, one place you are, you are, it doesn't matter what, how bad life is. It doesn't matter how chaotic life is. One thing you are sure of, one place you are certain to see God. When people say, oh, Lord, where are you? I'm going through this. Where are you? Where are you? God is always in church. Why did I say that? It says, where two or three of you are gathered together, there will I be in your midst. God is always in church. You can't be looking for God in your home. Look for God in his church. God is interested in his church. It doesn't matter how you think, oh, there's a church full of imperfect people. Yes, but God loves his church. And God will always be in church. If you participate in church, examine your participation level. Are you still in church? Are you part of church? You know, what is the thing that we call church? The church is the family of God. Those who have been saved and transformed, those who have been called out of the world, living in a community with one another. Are we perfect? No. But it's God's house. Where do you find people? You find them in their home. God's home is your church. 
Your church is God's home. Participate in your church. Be part of your church. Examine your participation level. Examine your contribution. Examine how much of my time is contributed here. How much of my time in a week do I really contribute in church? Forget about coming to take. What do I give? What do I give of my time? What do I give in my pastoral care? What do I give in sharing Christ? Look at the one step in your Bible. Look at the one step card and say to yourself, how much of myself have I given in this? See that one step, it's not really about you alone. If you notice, it's about what you have to give. Give in your priorities to God. Give in your peace level with people. Give in your participation. What's your financial contribution like? That is, if they want to look at financial contribution in this place, will your name ever come up? In a quarter... If they are doing a finance report to the government, did you ever give anything to your church? It determines your participation level. It doesn't matter how much you say it with your mouth. What you do is an indication of what you really believe. Will you pass the test? If you examine your work with God, your priorities, if you examine your relationship with other people, your peace level, if you examine your participation in church, with your, your, your relationship with your church, with your participation, where would you stand? Will you pass the test? Paul said to these believers, you need to work on these things. I am also working on these things. As I look at the one-step card and I ask myself, where am I at with this? Where is God as my priority? Where are people when it comes to the peace of God? To keep peace. He said, be at peace with all men, including the difficult brother, the difficult sister, the one that don't see the way you see. Be at peace with all men. There was no excuse given. The church in Corinth were so angry with each other, they were taking each other to court. And, and Paul said, that's not how to do it. You've drifted. You've moved away. You won't pass the test. The question is this. If you examine yourself on time, you wouldn't need anybody else to tell you you have failed. Jesus will come and say, well done, good and faithful servant. The worst thing that could ever happen is to think that you're meant to do something and it was another thing that you were expected to do. I finish with this. To, uh, with this uh, story. Physics was one of the courses I read when I was in secondary school and I hated physics with a passion. That's why I'm not a doctor today, I think, or something, or an engineer today. I hated physics with a passion. And unfortunately, we were told in physics to study about a particular thing. My understanding, see, I didn't understand physics enough to even understand the question that I'm meant to take. So I went and I studied really hard on the wrong thing. Unfortunately for me, there was a mock test along the line. And when the mock test time came, I didn't go for the mock test because it was voluntary. It's not compulsory to do it. We're meant to go to the lab. It's the practical side of physics. It's not even the, uh, the, the one that is even more complicated. It's the practical side. So you could either go to the lab and do this voluntary mock test, of which some went and did the mock test. And people that have drifted off like myself, studying the wrong things, realized that they've held the wrong end of the stick. And what did they do? They quickly corrected themselves. But I was in there. I can't remember where I was anymore. I wish I could say that I was busy studying another subject. I don't think I was. But I wasn't there. When the real exam time came, guess what? I didn't pass. I didn't pass. Yet I was busy. I studied, studied, studied so hard. But I studied the wrong thing. Because I did not examine myself. I didn't go for the mock test. I didn't go to the lab on time. I didn't check to see I was in line. I didn't relate to any other person in class to say, I was still on track. My question to you today is this. What's your priority like? What's your peace level like? 
What's the participation level like? Test them. Test them daily. Not once in a while. Not at the end of the semester like I did. Don't fail your course like I did. There was no reason to fail that course. I didn't need to pursue physics, but I didn't need to fail physics. So I failed the practical side of my physics exam. And guess what? It was hard work passing. I eventually passed physics just by the skin of my teeth. In the 50s, I think it was, because I was given a C. But I think somebody just had mercy on me. But all was engine and now rested on the theory, which was even harder. The practical could have been a lot easier if I had tested myself along the way, if I had walked the thing along the way, if I had checked along the way. This is a call to check along the way. Check your walk with God. Check your walk with the fellow brethren. Check your walk with your church. Because as you do that, I believe very strongly that you will pass the test because God has set you up to pass. God didn't set you up to fail. I can assure you of that. He never set anyone up to fail. And I decree and I declare for you tonight, in the name of Jesus, wherever you are at, in any phase of life, the end has come to any failing in the name of Jesus. Be it error of commission, error of omission, error of studying what you're not meant to study, every form of exam that come your way, the end has come to your failing in the name of Jesus. It is now time for you to begin to live in success all the days of your life because you will move forward. You know, in the world where they do exams, you don't move forward unless you have passed an exam. So I decree for you, in your faith work, you will move forward in the name of Jesus. In your spiritual work, you will move forward. In your understanding of God and prioritizing God, you will move forward. In your faith life, you will move forward. In your businesses, you will move forward. In your work, you will move forward. You will be loved by many more. You will dwell in peace in the name of Jesus. The hand of the Lord will be strong upon you upon the works of your hand. You will never pass it, never fail a test again. You will consistently pass every test that life throws your way in the name of Jesus. You see, the thing about life is this. Life is not that, like that chair I spoke about in the beginning. Life doesn't confuse one person's test for the other. God does not confuse one person's test for the other. you got to be ready for your test. You don't even know when it's going to come, but you need to be ready for it. I declare and I declare in the name of Jesus. You will be ready for every test that comes your way in the name of Jesus. You see, the, 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 the story of the virgin, the five virgins that were wise and five that are foolish. Every one of them had the same circumstances thrown their way. Every one of them had the same opportunities. They had the same amount of time. They had the same amount of preparation, but some had extra oil. Some did not. Some failed the test. Some passed the test, but they didn't find out until the bridegroom came. I pray for you in the name of Jesus. You will not miss the plan of God for your life in the name of Jesus. You will not miss the plan of God for your finances in the name of Jesus. You will not miss the plan of God for your family in the name of Jesus. You will not miss the plan of God for your faith in the name of Jesus. God wants to take you further. You will never, never never miss the plan that he has for you in the name of Jesus. I declare and I declare, passing and success is your portion from this moment onward. In Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen and amen.